Today's meditation is keeping within the theme of our Sundays, which is the, uh, God's grace. And pick up our, uh, on our Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 17. I want to just reread the first seven verses. When Abraham was nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And that's our text. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, again, we are grateful for uh, the opportunity and the, the motivation of your spirit to gather together this, this day to, to allow your word to speak words of faith into our hearts. Give us the ears to hear and the minds to understand that we may grow in our relationship with you and with each other. May the words of the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So as I mentioned, the theme is uh, finding uh, God's grace in the Old Testament. Specifically, uh, you're going to see how often that grace is a, a pipeline or a direct uh, connection back to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Last week, when we were in Genesis chapter 2, I started by telling you sometimes this is harder to do than at other times. Remember, Abraham was being tested. He was, he's being told to uh, offer Isaac up as a sacrifice. And wow, we really have to think that thing through to see what was God's grace in that narrative. Then you have narratives like today where the grace is easy to see, if I can say it that way. It's, it's throughout that whole scripture that we're going to think about today that God is at work saving his people ultimately through Jesus Christ, and that includes you and me. So I don't know, have any of you gotten into this craze that's out, it's been out there for a while anyway, um, about wanting to check out your ancestors, want to trace back who grandma, great, great, all that stuff back. I don't know, maybe you've even taken advantage of some of the websites out there. Um, some people... I guess to a certain degree myself as well, we're just curious about the names of people that went uh, before us. About 10, maybe 15 years ago, my father's cousin, Charles, who happened to be a pastor for many, many years up in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, he connected with me, and I shared him the information of our family so he could continue uh, the uh, the. Uh, putting out in a graph form our, our current uh, relationships to him and other Reimnitzes. Uh, but he had a chart dating the Reimnitzes all the way back into the 1650s. And this is kind of a cool thing. <clears throat> My relatives, some of them, were out of the area of Prussia. Guess who else has relatives that came from Prussia? Pastor Prem. Prem. Reimnitz, we're possibly related. 
Isn't that kind of, you can see it in our looks. I mean, we, we're both rather interesting looking individuals, but uh, I just think that would be kind of cool if somebody would do that. I'm not going to, uh, but uh, it would be kind of fun to find. <laughs> I know you're not going to do it either. <laughs> but there are other people that want to look, uh, not just to see who their relatives are, but they want to see if there's any famous ones back there. Surely you've heard of Ancestry.com. Uh, Ancestry.com is a, a, a website out there that allows you to put information in. You can do all sorts of things to try to figure out your family tree. But they happen to have a tab that takes you to a place called the Royal Collection. This is a three-volume Bible, if you will. You see that? The, the Royal Ancestry Bible, they call it. And you can buy this bad boy, and you can use it to investigate whether or not you have royalty in your past. Are you related to kings, queens of previous generations? This particular three-volume uh, text claims to research all colonists that were a part of the establishment of the United States of America that have at least 20,000 living American descendants and who descended from English or French kings dating all the way back to Emperor Charlemagne in the 700s. So it's for that person that really likes to look this kind of stuff, it's out there. Now what's interesting about our text today is that God allows Abram and Sarah the ability not to look backwards but with clarity to look forward. He gives them information about their descendants, not their ancestors. He tells them that they will have royal descendants, kings, and they're going to be parents of nations of people. Key to understanding this is that in doing so, God's grace in the Old Testament overflows into the New Testament. And helps each one of us see that we have been grafted into a royal spiritual family tree descending from Abraham and Sarah. Note, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. We know at the end of the text... He does the same name change with Sarai, calling her now Sarah, specifically to point out that the, the lineage or the descendants that come through Sarah are going to be the ones that are the special descendants, kings, royalty, and ultimately we know that to be Jesus himself. Sarah also is a part of that, and that many nations are going to come from them. Note, for I have made you, Father, many nations. I don't know how, how you do in Bible study or your own devotions, but you really need to pay attention to the verbs that are used. Up in the front part, this is my covenant with you. You will be the Father. That's a future promise. And then you get to this verse, and it says, For I have made you a father of many nations. Even though that history is yet to play out, 
God's promises are so sure that it's already done. You can't see it yet. That will happen. But right now, you need to know, I am God. I am making this covenant with you. And I have already made you the father of many nations. Exciting to think about God's promises that way. Even in our prayer time, we, we think, okay, dear God, will you, will you, as opposed to affirming what God has done and what God has already promised, therefore knowing it's already there. I may not see it. I mean, Abram and Sarah don't have any kids yet, and yet the promise is still given. I'm going to make you very fruitful this is really important to understand when you understand the whole book of Genesis because Genesis ends and Abraham has less than a hundred descendants at that time. We would probably say, God, you didn't keep your promise until we start looking at the next pages in Exodus and see millions of people are held in captivity, all descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God keeps his promises. He also says, I'm going, I will make you nations of you, and kings will come from you. Kings will be a part of your heritage. You think of the Old Testament, I, for me anyway, the first king that pops into my mind is King David. And, and of course, his famous son is Solomon. Those are the ones that jump right off the page. Those are the ones that we remember. Kings will come from you. We also know, as I said, the Old Testament grace overflows into the New Testament. The king that's going to come from Abraham and Sarai is none other than the king of kings, Jesus Christ himself. And that's important to know because you get to verse 7. It says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. How is that possible to have an everlasting covenant if there isn't an everlasting component to the covenant? Now, if you're paying attention, the wording of this covenant is awesome. What do Abraham and Sarah have to do other than coming together as husband and wife. In this covenant, it's not about Abraham and Sarah and what they're going to do. It's about what God has promised to do. And we know from hindsight that is exactly how history played out. God kept that promise to Abraham and Sarah and also to us. The God of your descendants after you. You know who that's talking about? We could talk about everybody that knows Jesus as our Savior, but they're not in church right now. They're not listening. You are. This is talking about you and me. We are the spiritual descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The faith of Abraham that was counted righteous because he believed God's promises to be true. Remember, the promise was initially given back in Genesis chapter 12. We're talking 24 years later, Abraham is still holding on to this promise of God. 
Now, does he scratch his head and try to figure out how to fix it without God? Absolutely. And we have problems because of that. However, this is a promise that God made to Abraham that includes us. Why? Because God fulfilled this everlasting covenant through the work of the king of kings. We are part of Jesus' royal family. And in spite of Abram's and Sarah's circumstances, they still believe that to be true. And God continued to keep that promise by adding physical descendants for them to see. Now, two nations came out of Abraham. The first was through his relationship with Sarah's handmaiden, Ishmael. This was Abraham and Sarah trying to fix the problem. Uh, we know what to do. I'll provide that. And this is how we'll do it. But be clear, it wasn't through Hagar and Ishmael that the promise was going to be. God makes that very, very clear. Is there going to be a great nation? Are there going to be kings that come from Ishmael? Absolutely. Are they going to be the kings of the promised covenant? No. That would only come through the child born to Abraham and Sarah, Isaac. He is the father of the nation of Israel. And again, kings indeed are descended from Abraham and Sarah, all the kings of Israel. But it is that final greatest king that came from Abraham and Sarah which makes, the makes this covenant an everlasting covenant because Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. As we see as the Lenten season progresses and we get to Palm Sunday, for a moment the people even recognize that to be true. All the fulfillments of God's promise are because of this greatest physical descendant, King Jesus. Jesus is the king who came to serve. Jesus is the king to, who came to die. That's what the gospel lesson was talking about. He begins to tell his disciples about what his future on earth looks like. And despite the fact that the disciples couldn't get it, they couldn't accept it, especially in that moment, he is still the king who came. Contrary to even our own expectations, that Jesus would save somebody like you and me. Take us from being enemies to being heirs. Take us from being uh, unrighteous to being righteous. It is Jesus serving. It's his forgiving that makes possible that this covenant which God is God to you. Jesus' death reconciled us to God. Jesus' death brought us back together with our Heavenly Father. We see that in our epistle lesson. For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. God grafts us in to this relationship with Abraham and the covenant that he made through baptism. 
and faith in this great king, Colossians. In Christ you were also circumcised, the sign of the covenant. In the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. I could have brought up the whole circumcision idea that's in Genesis 17, but that might have been a stumbling block for you because that too is one of those things where couldn't he come up with a better way of coming up with a sign? But notice that that sign is a foretaste of our baptism. When was Isaac set apart as a child of God? Eight days old. Did Isaac do anything to be a part of God's covenant with Abraham? How about Jacob? How about the sons of Jacob? How about King David? How about King Solomon? Did they do anything? According to Scripture, each one of them would have followed the law. Each one of them circumcised at eight days old. We get into the New Testament, and what is the promise? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. Like in the Old Testament grace, the New Testament grace is found in the selection that God makes, the covenant that God makes. I will be your God, and you will be my people. We have been brought into that relationship in light of this beautiful covenant that God made to Abraham. We have become members of a royal family. And Jesus' death on the cross is what reconciled or made us right with the Father in heaven. He took away every sin that separated us from the Father. Everything that would say we don't belong has been taken away. And we now truly belong because through Christ, God himself has established his covenant with you to be the God to you. And what's even cooler, if I can, and to your offspring too. We have a glimpse as we now look into the future. We are descendants of a promise. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. That's who we are. We are royal. We reign with Christ. Because of God's work of grafting us into this family tree, it's going to continue into the future until our king returns. And what awaits us when he returns but a beautiful reunion with our father and mother, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob and the sons of Israel, King David, King Solomon, and all of our loved ones, our moms and dads, our grandmas and grandpas, our children, all those whom we love, protected in the arms of Jesus by God's covenant promise to us. Revelation says it this way, 
After I looked, and there before me, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. This beautiful picture of a family reunion where we now not only are able to recognize and find comfort, if you will, peace in the fact that mom and dad are there, but we're going to be able for the first time to see the relationship that God has given to us who are not related by blood, but we are related. We are connected by faith. God's grace in the Old Testament, hopefully, it helps you understand that you can trace your spiritual family back 4,000 years all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. You don't need Ancestry.com to point out this wonderful spiritual family into which you and I have been grafted. It's a, it's a royal family. Especially because Jesus makes it happen. Our king makes us a part of the royal promise he gave to Abraham and Sarah. He continues to reign as king of kings and lord of lords, even though, like Abraham and Sarah, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't seem like it. 24 years, God. Are any of you guys waiting 24 years for a promise? Or a week? A month? Oh, how much longer can I go? It's kind of funny when we stop and think about what we call a challenge or a burden and you compare it to Abraham and Sarah. And yet Abraham and Sarah continue to believe. Did they struggle? Absolutely. But they knew that God was a God of his word. He made a promise, an everlasting covenant that through his lineage there would be the king, the king that, Ab that Adam and Eve had been waiting for since the Garden of Eden. And he came and he conquered and he won and he is coming again. And until that time, we continue to live our lives in this incredible covenant promise that we belong to this beautiful uh, spiritual family tree that will reign not only in this life, but in the life to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.